0: Good it's an honor for me to be here. Uh, our pastor is in Homeland this morning, and uh, you'll be pleased to know that he came over yesterday and he brought over plates and forks for the potluck, so we'll be able to enjoy our lunch today, because we'd run out of forks, or both forks and plates last time. And he sends his love and blessing, and he's always excited to hear who, was, who all came and what, and how everything went. So I'm glad to see all of you here this morning. Uh, this morning, I'm going to talk about the importance of having faith in God and how it can drastically alter the way that we live. Now, I teach a class in HIV AIDS, how I teach the dental students how to take care of AIDS patients And so I try to keep up with the news on that, um, as all of you in the healthcare profession do. But there is a uh, town in Indiana called Austin, Indiana. Have any of you heard of it? It's got about a little more than one-third the population of Crestline. Now, Crestline is not a very big community, but Austin is like, it's, it's almost a third, a little more than a third the size of Crestline. And in the last year, there have been 188 cases of AIDS in the city of Austin. And it came to national attention. And they went in and investigated why so many people. There's one primary care doctor in the city of Austin, or the town of Austin. There's one doctor, and he saw 180 new cases of AIDS last year. And so they contacted the Center for Disease Control, and they're trying to find out why there were so many cases. And they found out that they were mostly among young white people who were unemployed, they were long-term unemployed, and they had started using IV drugs and they're using dirty needles, and the disease and hepatitis were spreading through these dirty needles. And the doctor who lives in Austin, he actually was, he grew up there, and he went to medical school, and his name is Dr. Banks, went to medical school, came back and practiced in the town where he grew up, and he says he knows there are 12 and 13-year-olds who are using hydrocodone pain medication. And they get addicted to it. And by the time they're 15 or 18, they're like hopelessly addicted. And on the street, I'm told that if you want to get some hydrocodone or oxycodone or Percodan, Percocet, you can pay up to $80 per pill for this addictive pain medication. It's very popular. And it's so popular that uh, the prices have gone up. And the where most of it comes from is that grandparents who have backaches will get a prescription for maybe Percodan, Percocet from their physician, and then they take it home, and their grandchildren or children will find it and then steal all the medication. And their grandparents don't know where it went, and they think they lost it. But a lot of it is coming from uh, older people who tend to use more pain medication. Anyway, it's gotten so scarce that it's cheaper to buy heroin than to buy oxycodone on the street. And so a lot of people are turning to heroin to satisfy their addiction to drugs. When these people become addicted, now, I don't know if any of you have ever been addicted to anything. Um, I had a friend said once a few years ago that I, myself, was addicted to eBay because I was always buying things on eBay, Um, much to my wife's distress, and so that's something I've had to get over a little bit. Um, When I was in college, I started drinking. This is before I became an adventist, I used to drink a little bit, And I realized I was drinking more than a little bit and that I was on the verge of becoming an alcoholic. And so I had to stop drinking completely. Fortunately, I think the Holy Spirit spoke to me very early in this process and helped me to get out. So there's a lot of, I think if we look back on our lives, there are things that we do that might be called addictions that we need to get, we need to face. Morning, Don. Yeah. How are you? Good to see you. Thanks for coming. And it's very easy to get addicted. It's very, very easy. When I was in dental school, we had to administer nitrous oxide to each other. And they, so my classmate gave me nitrous oxide, and I was in seventh heaven for three days after that. I mean, I just felt wonderful. I had never felt so wonderful in all my life. Nothing bothered me. Um, people could tell that I had gotten really mellow. And so I had my classmates would come up and they would deliberately try to insult me or provoke me because they, they just knew that they couldn't do it. And, and I was just floating. And I just had that one time and I realized if I did this one more time, I would probably get addicted to this because it felt so absolutely wonderful. I stopped worrying about everything. I felt great. I didn't have any more problems when I was on nitrous oxide. solved all my problems. And I realized I could get addicted to that. And, And in my own experience, I look back and I realize that it probably is very easy for all of us to get addicted in one way or another to maybe alcohol or drugs or so. I have sympathy for these young people in Austin, Indiana, who are getting addicted. But the question arises, how do we overcome addictions? How do we overcome ourselves? How do we overcome our weaknesses? Now, I listen to public radio and uh, KPFK, and I think it's in Santa Barbara, which is a friend of mine calls the People's Republic of Santa Barbara. And they're very liberal there and the radio station is really liberal and they interview people that live, and I won't mention the exact lifestyle, but they live alternate lifestyles. And they, these alternate lifestyle people claim that it is impossible for them not to indulge, not to follow, not to practice the lifestyle that they've chosen. They have no choice. In fact, that's a recurring theme amongst, I think especially among non-Christians, is that they have no choice. I hear that over and over again. I have to do this. I was born this way. Um, It's in my genes. But fortunately, that's that's the reason I became a Christian, is because I realized that I needed to change Um, I needed to overcome my weaknesses, my deficiencies. And that's something that happens. as The older you get, can we have the mic turned down just a tiny little bit because I'm here a little bit of feedback. Thank you. The older I get, the more deficiencies I discover I have. I was asked to be treasurer of the church and I found out that I have the gift of, it's not a gift the curse of procrastination and it creates all kinds of nightmares if i delay doing the bookkeeping for even a a day or a few days things get lost the pastor gave me a check two checks earlier this week and i set them down on the kitchen table and one thing led to another And the next thing you know I couldn't find where these checks were. And yesterday I spent three hours looking for these checks. And I finally found them, but it was three hours that I didn't have to spare. Yeah, consequences. And so one of the things I'm learning is that when something needs to be done, it needs to be done right away. And if you put it off, it's going to get lost or misplaced or something horrible is going to happen. So I'm learning. And when I was searching for these lost checks, I felt sick to my stomach because it was a lot of money. And I thought, how am I going to explain this to the pastor? Maybe I'll have to resign or do something, you know. And I was really sick. And then I started thinking, you know, the Lord is very merciful and he forgives us and he wants us, his goal. Um, I was reading in Patriarchs and Prophets and she's talking, in the first chapter, she's talking about Satan's rebellion and Satan insinuated doubts in the angels about God. He said that, that God was being dictatorial, he was laying down all these rules that everybody else had to follow, and was, this is all unnecessary, it was just, a con, God was a control freak and he just wants to control everybody. So Satan insinuated doubts. But even after he did that, if he had relented, if he'd repented, God would have brought him back into his position. So the recurring theme in Christianity is God's goal is not to punish us for our sins, but he wants us to repent and return OK? So anyway, when I was looking for these checks, that thought came to mind, You know, God isn't out there to punish us. Actually, I punish myself well enough. But He wants us to turn and repent and to in this particular case, my case, He wants me to do things when they need to be done, and don't put them off.
1: What a way of teaching
0: you. Yeah, what a way? I mean, I felt really sick yesterday. And so, but we all have things that we have to overcome. But that's why I'm a Christian. I, I became and I, because I learn every day I've got more things, problems that have to be overcome. And I'm praying that the Lord will help me to overcome them. Now, if I had to do that on my own power, I would give up hope. Because how, do, how does a leopard change his spots? I'm, I'm praying for myself and for all of you that God will give you the power to overcome your faults, your deficiencies, your sins. And I'm confident he can do that. Uh, he's, he's helped me in numerous times to overcome numerous problems. And I, I can tell you like, and I've told you before, when I started dental school, I was not very good with my hands. But after being in dental school for about three years, my hand skills increased an order of magnitude. I was like 10 times better using my hands than I was before. And so I think God gives us, when he sees you need a strength or a talent, he will help you to develop it. Now, so for these young people in Austin, what's the solution for them? How can they be helped? Lifestyle change. Life change? What did you say? They need to stop doing it. Yeah, well, they need to stop doing it. But how can they do it? it now, they really do it. You need miraculous help. I, amongst the HIV patients that I work with, a lot of them, when they found out that they were HIV positive, they went into depression, and then they started drinking. They became alcoholics, which made their HIV even worse, much, much worse. But the ones that overcome the alcoholism, I would say 90% of those who overcame alcoholism that I've spoken to did it through Alcoholics Anonymous, which is a faith-based organization. And they, it changed their lives when they discovered that there was a God who loved them and who wants to help them, wants to strengthen them, it changed their lives. And, but not everybody discovers that, and some of them go downhill and they keep going downhill. Now in, Austin, in the city of Austin, the town of Austin, 35% of the people on, are on Medicare and very few people are privately insured. Now one of the local health officials in Austin said the only way the only way we're going to be able to combat this HIV outbreak this drug addiction is with more funding. And I agree they need more certainly need more funding but what they I think what they really need is the Lord. They really need to discover that someone loves them and cares about them. Every time I'm going through a trial like yesterday when I was sweating bullets, when I couldn't find this check, um, I, got, I got kind of depressed thinking about what, how I was going to explain this. But when I thought about the God who loves me, I thought, well, maybe he'll get me out of this. Maybe he'll help me to find them. And you know, maybe I'll learn a lesson from this that I can't procrastinate. I need to do things right away. And eventually, I found them. What had happened is that I had taken the checks, and they were for the month of August, but somehow I filed them in the month of June in the filing cabinet, so they were misfiled. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got three or four filing cabinets, I mean five-door cabinets, and when I misfile something, it stays lost a long time because I have so many files. So, I mean, I file everything, but this time I misfiled it. So, anyway, my goal, my hope, and I, my, my plea to you all of you who have to suffer with me as I'm the treasurer here is that I hope you'll be patient with me and that I will learn how to do this properly. <laughs> well, we'll see. Let's hope so. But I need to ask you to be patient with me in the hopes that I'll overcome these defects. And I, in turn, need to be patient with all of you. And, I mean, we all make mistakes. Yeah. And it hurts my heart sometimes when I listen to members of this church and other churches criticize the other members and the pastor of the church. I've heard people say, oh, the pastor's too old, he needs to retire. Or they say, they, and then we we'll, and then I'll be in churches where they have a young pastor. He's too young. I was, yeah, he's too young. I was in, a, in, when I was at Pacific Union College, teaching there with my wife. She was in nursing school there. They had a 55-year-old pastor, and the old people were in the church. He's too young. He's, t- he's too. And so you know, you're either too young or too old. And but it really hurts my heart when I hear people criticize other members in the church. Because what they're really doing, when you criticize other members in the church or criticize the pastor, when you're saying, he's not good enough or she's not good enough or she did this wrong, he did this wrong, you know, you're saying that about yourself too. Because if, if they're open to criticism, so are you. And if you should get out of the, if you think this person should leave the church maybe you're the one that needs to really leave the church. If you're so unforgiving, so intolerant, so we need to be we need to be forgiving of each other in the hope that God will give each of us the talents and the skills and the grace we need to overcome our problems. Now, it's not an easy thing for human beings to do. Lucifer, who was According to Mrs. White, and and I think other sources too, one of the most, or the most intelligent created being in the universe. And he went astray. You're shaking your head, is he was not? Okay, it's still a little bit loud. Can you hear me in the back? All right, all right, good. And here's the most intel- he was one of the most intelligent, perhaps the most intelligent created being in the universe, and he went astray. He started to think that he had it all. Now, how often do we do that? How many how often do we think that we can control our own destiny? Yeah, you used to. But you've grown you've grown wise now. So how come you're not running for president? Because humility wears very well in, in positions of power. Anyway, but we often make mistakes. And I want to read from, uh, continue with our scripture reading for this morning. Daniel, thank you for reading that. Um, I'm reading from Judges chapter 2. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Now we need to remember that God keeps his promises. And he has, can I say this? Mary Angeli, can I say this? God has promised to love us. Would that be a fair thing to say? And
1: yeah that's that's his, his that's character. Saying, I
0: exactly You know, that's like, I suppose what I, the question I just asked is like saying, can a bird promise to fly?" Well, first of all, birds don't make promises, and second of all, birds fly anyway, so, yeah, I guess it was a trick question yeah. <laughs> right, so yeah, I think that that God does love us, but he says, "I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land. you shall tear down their altars, but you must but you must." I'm sorry, but you have not obeyed my voice. And those
1: people were, were sinners. They were when he was promising them that.
0: They were, they were sinners. And that, that is that's really a, a very important point. Even when we're sinning, even when we have we've bowed down before Baal or the other altars, I mean when I listen to I used to like to listen to movies. But as I became a Christian and I'd hear them and I'd realize that the basic principles of the the theme of this movie is denying the existence of God. Like Star Trek. I used to love Star Trek when I in the nineteen when was it, nineteen seventies when it came out? May May the force be with you. But one of the recurring themes in Star Trek was that they must never interfere with an alien culture. Now, that, imagine God said, well, I created you, but I'm not going to interfere with you. Uh, you just go and live your life the way you want to. When you, well, think about that. God doesn't do that. He says, I want to be a part of your lives. But the Star Trek thing was no whatever power, we must not interfere, we must not, we have nothing to share with them, we, have, we can't enlighten them and help them in any way. They have to live their own lives however they want to. And I realize that that's actually anti-Christian. Yeah. It is, it's just plain because I have a duty to help whoever asks for help, uh, to be a blessing, to be all things to all people. And that's not easy. That's really difficult. I mean, like when they asked me to be treasurer, I told them, I think you're making a terrible mistake. But we have to learn to do new things all the time. For the, glory of God. For the glory of God. We're always called to new things. I mean, going back to this article talking about learning new things, this outbreak of HIV in Austin, Indiana, all these people are unemployed. There's no businesses there, there used to be factories a long time ago but that's now what's called part of the rust belt. All the iron and steel industries have kind of closed down, and there aren't jobs anymore. But one of the things these people need is jobs, and it's been forcefully impressed upon me that especially young people need to be able to find jobs. And so now I'm thinking to myself, what jobs are there available for young people today? They can work in McDonald's in Walmart, and they get minimum wage. And they're getting no benefits because they're always hired part-time. Nobody gets hired full-time anymore. And so there's no, there's no training. When I was young, I worked for a Lockheed Aircraft Company as an engineer. All the older engineers I, that I worked under, who were my managers, they started off as riveters or assembly men in the factory and they proved themselves to be intelligent. And the company sent them to college, paid for their education. One of the men I worked with, he, the company sent him to school in England at University of Manchester to get his PhD in acoustics. And Manchester had a good program. And so the company paid for him to get his PhD. Are companies doing that anymore? No, because they treat everybody like a part-timer. No benefits, no blessings, no help, no assistance. And, I mean, it's horrible. And so maybe we need to start thinking about job creations. How can we create jobs? What can we do to make sure that young people have the training, the experience, and the opportunities to find work? Because if they don't find work, they might end up like the young people in Austin, Indiana, hopeless and then using drugs, and that's a terrible thing. So I think we need, to, we need to change the way we look at the world and what our responsibilities are. I think if there's an opportunity to create a job or start a business, maybe it would be a good thing to do. It would be a blessing. So I think we need to start changing the way we're looking at the world. Anyway, let me get back to this passage from Judges. But it says, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Well, because we lost confidence in God. Every day I talk to people who have lost confidence in God. They've certainly lost confidence in Ellen White, who was a teacher of the Bible. And they, they share their doubts with me. Therefore, it says here in Judges, I also said, I will not drive out your enemies before you, but they shall be thorns in your side. Look at all the, and I, I pray I'm wrong, but look at all the sorrow that's fallen, falling on this country. The people in, in Austin, Indiana, the fires that we've had recently. Can, can I look at these events and say, God is blessing us? No, he's clearly not. Why is he not blessing us? Is it possible that we, like the children of Israel, have not, have not kept our promises, have not kept our covenant with God, who have, we have not obeyed the Lord's voice? He goes on to say, their gods will be a sneer to you So it was, when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. When I read the news now, I weep. I don't watch the news. I used to watch 6 o'clock news. I don't watch the news anymore. It's too depressing. It really is depressing. After they heard these things, Joshua dismissed the people, and the children each went, children of Israel each went to his own inheritance to possess the land. Now, this is kind of interesting. The next passage, Judges chapter 2, verse 7. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. And I think that's what's happening in our church. When Ellen White was alive, there there was a lot of faith and loyalty. And the people that survived after her, the elders who knew her, were were loyal. But I'm, I'm working with the new generation of ministers and elders who disparage, and they're going their own way at the university church have any of you been to uh relive church service yeah.
1: I there once, I could stay, I
0: I tell us what it what, tell us about it what what happened when you went in what was it like Well, I went there once with my unofficial adopted daughter, Shoshana Jardine from St. Vincent. She's now a dentist. And I went with her to relive. I thought there'd be young people there, and she'd want to go and meet all these young people. And we walked in, and the lights were all turned down except for the stage lights. And they were flashing you know, reds and blues and colors and all these colors. And they had a rock band up there, and they were playing the drums really loud and it was so dark in, in the room when I went you could hardly see the person next to you and the music was so loud that no, you couldn't talk to the person next to you and all you could do was just sit there and be mesmerized by this loud music and it was like being in a discotheque I don't know if you've ever been in a discotheque oh, this was a this is long second yeah long And it was
1: I've been there again we didn't like the friend so with my kids I had Jesse and Stacey and Steven with me and we're like, Oh let's go to the youth and that's when we were trying to do the transition from Spanish church to the English church 'cause we've been going through Adventist hymns. It's hymns that invite you to pray or to have mercy to someone else. It's a, uh, those are hymns to make you feel like I want to go run right now and swim hundred miles or something because you just want to get out of there.
0: Well, we, we stayed about, we were in there about 45 seconds. <laughs> we went in and we sat down and Shoshana, and she was, I don't know, she was maybe 20, 22 or 23 at the time, years old. And it's pitch dark in there, and it was just like a discotheque. And she, she kind of just turns around and sees, and it's bl- bl- dark. It's almost black in there, except for the stage lights on the stage. And she goes, this is really creepy. Let's get out of here. And so we got out and left, and we went to one of the other Sabbath schools that they have at that time. So I wonder, you know, what are we training our young people How are we preparing them for dealing with the real world? Now, maybe we want to, we're competing with the world's entertainment, but the truth is, if you can go to any disco, they're going to have better music and better stage show and better entertainment, and uh, the people there will be much more accommodating than you're going to find them in the church, so why not go to a discotheque? So... I mean, I'm wondering what it is that we're really offering to people. You, one of the things, I work with missions at the school, and I ask the students to go to Bangladesh and ask them to go to Ethiopia, and I ask them to go to Honduras and Mexico and places like that. It's not safe. It's, it can be dangerous. You have to make a sacrifice to do this. And we have them sign a statement saying, you know, you're, you're risking disease, dismemberment, and I won't go into all the gory details, but, you know, there's a risk involved in going to these places. And the students go, and they see the need. There's, they'll go to places where there's no doctors, no dentists, and I actually, work, one of the dental students who went on a trip, and this was quite a few years ago, when he got there, he was the only Dental, faci- dental per- knew anything about dentistry. He was by himself. He ended up delivering babies when he was there. To give you an idea of how remote this place was. Uh, and I won't tell you what country this is or who the person was. I'm sure someone would get upset. But, you know, it was like, and he came back a transformed person. When he saw the need, how much need there is, it changed his whole life. It completely changed his life. And the same thing happened to me when I went to Nairobi, Kenya, when I was in school. At that time, there were, I don't know, 10 million people in Kenya, and there were three dentists in the whole country. We were overwhelmed. We were swamped. They would bring us in local people that got kicked by mules and their teeth would get knocked out and I mean it was just all kinds of problems and, and it made me realize how much need there is and when you see that much need. Have you been on mission trips? You, you really need to go. You really need to go. Maybe you could go with one of the ones from the school someday but it changed my life. It made me realize that hey there's a lot of people that need a lot of help and but that's the kind of training and experience that we need to be giving the young people. Send them out to places where there's a need and let them see, the, and it changes their lives. They don't need to, we don't need to duplicate a discotheque. That's not going to win anybody to Christ at all. I asked one of these rock and roll musicians, these so-called Christian rock and rollers, I said, you know, Why are we playing all this really loud? loud, It's so loud that you can't even think straight, let alone hear the still small voice. And he said to me, Hey, man, don't you know? Haven't you read the Bible? Didn't Christ say to Peter, On this rock I will build my church? (laughs) Well, there you go. That's why they have rock and roll in churches now. So anyway, at least according to this guy um but so back to judges so the people served the lord all the days of Joshua all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua who had seen the great works the lord had done for israel now it's important for us to remember what God has done for us, both for our church and for us individually. In the morning, I encourage you to wake up and think about how God has blessed you. And this morning when I woke up, um, I found that check, that missing check, and I was very thankful for that. So, you know, I have something to be thankful for this morning. And now... Now Joshua died when he was 110 years old, and they buried him in the mountains of Ephraim. When all that generation had gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baal's. I think there's a parallel between the people, young people in Austin and this story in Judges. These young people are growing up without Christian influence, many of them, without practical Christian influence. And so they don't know the Lord, they don't know what wonderful things he's done, and therefore it's hard for them to take seriously Christianity at all. Especially if they go to a Christian church and they hear rock and roll, which is, going to teach them what to appreciate rock and roll it's not going to encourage them to make sacrifices so the real training and I and I say this guardedly but the real training for Christianity is sacrifice hardship experiencing the needs of others being exposed to the needs of others, and being in a position where you have to try to render aid. And that is what the kind of training we need to be giving our young people. We need to be helping them to experience what it, they need to be working with people who are hungry and who are sick so they can see the need. That's what we need to be providing for our young people, is an opportunity for them to be of service. I wish, I pray, that they're bringing in, some people claim, up to 100,000 or more illegal aliens a year, and they're housing these people when they first come in military bases, in aircraft hangars, and they won't even let the press in. Apparently they're so ashamed of what's going on. I don't know why they won't let the press in, but they don't. And who's taking care of these people? I think maybe as Christians we should be mounting a relief effort to go in where these refugees are coming in and try to find ways to help them, providing medical and dental care and nursing care for them. Maybe that's something that we need to start doing to to both to be a blessing to these poor refugees, but also for our young people. They need to experience the need. Anyway, that's something that I'm dreaming and praying about. I think we need to start doing that. But remember, it's very easy to go astray if you forget how God has led us in the past. If you haven't been trained by your elders or your seniors to follow the Lord, you're going to drift away. And we need to remember how important it is to model our Christian faith for young people and to give them opportunities of practicing that faith by helping the poor or the sick and so these are the things that we need to be doing and encouraging in our church and for example there was a a student who came to me recently and wants to go on a mission trip to Mexico and it's not sponsored by the school and so officially I can't provide supplies and equipment but I told the student look when you go down to Mexico Let me know when you're going and what you need. And somehow, one way or another, we'll try to find what you need to go down there and help those people. Because I think if we can help these young people to experience that, it's going to change their lives. So we need to do everything we can to encourage them. All right. Now it goes on to say in verse 16... In spite of all their sins, and they were serving the Baals, and they forsook the Lord, and they did all these other sins. They were actually sacrificing their own children to Ashtaroths. It says, nevertheless, the the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. Isn't that what we're doing today? Have we listened to the warnings that we've been given as a church? No, we, we have problems with those warnings. We don't want to hear them anymore. And so in many ways, we're repeating history in our own church. So let us be humble. Let us realize that maybe the smarter we are, the more likely we are to go astray, the more likely we are to trust our own judgment. And let us rather humbly seek to follow the Lord and put away the distractions of the the world. Remember how he's blessed us. And I pray, let's let's have a closing prayer. Dear Father in heaven, help us to rediscover how much you love us and care for us and how much you have done for us in the past for all the universities, the colleges, the hospitals, the clinics that you've helped the Seventh-day Evidence Church erect. We have dozens and dozens of hospitals all over the world that we've built through your guidance, and about 80 dental clinics around the world, and at least three, four medical schools that I know of, one in the Philippines, in Africa, one in Africa starting up now, one in Mexico and one in the United States. Father, help us to remember how you've led and guided us in the past so that we might be encouraged to boldly go forward where others have not gone before to carry the faith of Christ, to encourage the young and to help them, to prepare them for the trials that lay ahead so that they can find work being a blessing to others. Help us to find a way to encourage and bless the young people so that they won't end up like the young people in Austin, Indiana. Father, guide us, strengthen us, empower us to be an example, to guide and lead the youth, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.